Welcome to Fresh Take, your favorite weekly podcast that delivers a healthy dose of information pertaining to healthy lifestyles, organic and sustainable agriculture, and numerous topics related to the environment. Thanks for tuning in. Our industry experts are here to provide you with a fresh take on topics that can help you optimize your lifestyle and well-being. Fresh Take. On today's episode, we will be discussing myths surrounding eco-friendly options. I have a great panel here with me today to have a discussion about this topic. I have Dr. Juan Carlos Rodriguez. I have Sarah Gaynor, who is a fundraising specialist and a communication specialist. And I also have Isabel Arancibia, who is a podcast coordinator here at Florida Organic Growers and Consumers. And always, I'm your host, Jessica Stipe. So let's get into this a little bit, you guys, um, and get this discussion rolling because there are so many uh, myths surrounding organic agriculture, sustainable living, eco-friendly lifestyles. Um, There's just so much out there right now that people don't really know what direction to go in uh, because of misinformation or miscommunication. So one of the things I think that um, stands out all the time is that Organic labels don't have to have a strict definition of standards. What are your thoughts on that, JC? Well, they actually do have to have uh, or follow the National Organic Standards, which is a federal law um, that allows people who want to represent or sell um, agricultural products as organic. And those standards, um, just to sort of in a, in a general sense, what they say is that anyone who grows a crop or a livestock product or a packaged processed product needs to comply with the regulations. And that those regulations in general say that you cannot use non-synthetic um, materials like fertilizers and right. pesticides. So those are not allowed in organic agriculture. Um, and then not only do they not um, need to use those inputs, they need to submit a plan to a certifier. That operation, whether it be a farm or a processing facility, would be inspected to make sure that that plan is, in fact, compliant with the regulations. So there's a whole set of things that people who want to sell their products as organic, whether it be cereal, milk, um, vegetables, fruits, Mm -hmm. need to comply with, and they can just go out and, you know, say that they're organic without actually showing that they're organic. That definitely makes sense. I think a lot of people don't realize that there really is a strict definition and there's the guidelines are placed there by uh, the NOP standards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also heard people like kind of be confused or there are a myth surrounding um, organic foods coming in from other countries, not really meeting the standards here in the United States. If it's sold in the States, and I guess everyone here has probably either seen bananas, for instance, organic bananas, which is one common example of something that's not produced here in the States. Right. They need to comply with the regulations just as producers here in the States do. Mm -hmm. And as I was saying a minute ago, those farmers would also need to be inspected. Right. And the people who inspect them also need to be accredited by the USDA, Department of Ag. Right. To make sure that they function under the same regulations that organic certifiers in the states do. Right. So nothing changes in terms of 
what it is that they need to comply with in order to label their product as organic. And they need to comply with the regulations in the States. The U.S. regulations said. Because they're being right. sold in the United States. Now, if they were selling it to Europe, for instance, then they need to comply with standards in the European Union and those organic regulations. And their certifications would change. Correct. And so I think everyone should just keep in mind that if you're buying something that was produced overseas and it is, it's got the word organic on it and it also has the USDA seal, organic seal that I think most people recognize. Those farmers, uh, avocados is another example of that, or, or complying with those regulations, just like anyone here in the States would be. So if you're a farmer in the United States and you want to sell your product in the European Union, mm-hmm. would you have to comply with both standards? Would you have to comply with the USDA and the EU standard? No, not necessarily. If, you, if you're overseas, like let's say that you're in Ecuador mm-hmm. and then you're growing bananas and that you feel that your market is only going to be the you know, European market, then you would only get certified to that particular market and regulations. Right. You're not being forced to be certified through the NOP, National Organic Program regulations. But most people that, that I'm sort of aware of would at least want to make sure that by being certified to more than one regulation, they're opening their opportunities to be you know able to sell uh, in different countries, but they would need to meet those regulations. Mm-hmm. Same if they wanted to do or sell bananas in Canada. They would need to comply with the Canadian regulations. So, All right. So moving on to another common myth or misunderstanding uh, that people seem to have is that organic is a fad. Anybody have any thoughts on that? I certainly think that it's not a fad. Um, I agree. You know, it's been around for a long, long time now especially in the way that I think people think of organic and the sort of meaning of organic as we've been talking and the label and the USDA seal. Before the USDA seal was something that was mainstream and recognized and it's in all packaged products that I'm sure people have seen and even the word organic. Mm -hmm. Whether you either go to Whole Foods if that's where you shop or any other, you know, grocery store or health food store, the word organic, it's out there. It's everywhere. And and it's been there for, again, a long, long time. So I don't think it's a fad. I think it's actually pretty mainstream. It is something that is available to people. It's an option. Not everyone buys organic, of course. Right. I don't think it's going to go away. No, uh, and I the reason why I don't think it's going to go away is, and this is part of our podcast today, it is something that a lot of people associate with eco-friendly yes, living and, and options. And so while there is going to continue to be options, whether it's organic, sustainable, GMO-free, and all these other labels, that do exist out there. Organic is going to be one of those things that I think are continue to be an option for people to buy. I think it gets that reputation for a fad because of all the fad diets. Right. And people see it as something similar. You know, people are moving towards this organic, you know, eating and things like that. And they, they look at it as the same as these fad diets that come out, but they don't understand that organic is so much more than a diet food. It's right. not a, you know, it's, it's not a specific diet. It's, it's the way that you it's know. eating the same thing that you've been eating in right. just a different way. It's, you're still eating strawberries. You're still eating bread. You're still, whatever the case may be, potatoes, whatever you're just choosing to do it mm-hmm. organically. I think for people who, you know, still wondering what it all means, because they either have their friends or their family saying, you know, you should eat more organic is. We well, even health professionals now. Correct. And so it's trying to find out what We've been discussing what does it all mean? What's the label? What's behind you know that term organic? And 
if you then make the decision that it is for you at least something to consider because you feel it's going to be healthier either you know for your body or the environment then there's that option right but it is important for people to at least be aware that it exists that it does have a meaning that there is a whole group of people behind it to mm-hmm. make sure that it is compliant with regulations absolutely moving right along another myth is that in green living paper is preferable over plastic and that's in any shopping that you may do um Sarah, I know you and I have touched on this a couple of times in previous episodes, so mm-hmm. why don't we go ahead and, and touch on this one more time since we're talking about myths? Um, yeah, so as far as the paper and plastic debate, it's the best choice is to really avoid using any sort of single-use item. Absolutely. So whether that's a styrofoam cup, that's plastic utensils, that's you know paper plates, uh, the same with when you're in the line at the grocery store, the best option is to bring a reusable bag. Yes. If you are in a spot, because I have been guilty of this, where you have the reusable bag, but they're in the trunk of your car and you go inside and you know now you're in a spot where you need to use one or the other, make sure whatever choice you make, you are in some way reusing that item again and it doesn't become a single use item. So I know when I was a kid, the paper bags were great for covering your school books. Yes. Um, That was something that we always did. But even with plastic bags, people use them, you know, for their trash cans around the house to pick up dog poop. Right. (laughs) But to to figure out another way to to use those items again to give it a little longer life. My grandmother used to give us the paper bags to color on as kids. She would throw us on the floor. Well, she didn't throw us. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) Uh, She would let us get on the floor and use, you know, markers, crowns, whatever, and we would color on them. And then she would use them for whatever after for trash bags in her her trash cans or whatever, you know, just like you said, looking for other options. I know on the episode that you and I did recently for just different New Year's resolutions, we even Mm -hmm. talked about paper over plastic when it comes to straws and how neither of us really like uh, how those paper straws taste or what they do, they are a better option as far as taking care of our natural resources and and conservation. But just looking, like you said, to what other options are out there, because there's also the stainless steel straws that Mm -hmm. are even a better option. So it's just knowing what your options are. Yeah. And to go even further than that, the recent episode um, with Grace from We Are Neutral. Yes. We talked about this. Yeah, right. The issue at the grocery store is maybe how you got to the grocery store. Right. It's it's less about what you choose at the checkout line as far as paper or plastic. But, you know, when you're driving to the grocery store, are you driving to the grocery store? Absolutely. Um, So, you know, this this can cast a wide net and we could probably talk about it forever. It could go on and on, right? (laughs) Exactly. All right. So we'll get into our fifth one. So people sometimes ask or wonder or debate whether uh, hand washing your dishes is a, a greener option than using your dishwasher. Well, Thoughts would, on this? Yeah, I would say nowadays dishwashers are a lot better than the models, you know, were when I was a kid and even generations before that. Everybody was just excited to have a dishwasher. Right. I was the dishwasher <laughs> at my house. Right. <laughs> but hand washing can be better if if you have an older model dishwasher that is not Mm eco-friendly. I personally am a hand washer when it comes to dishes, but I'm one person. uh, So that's kind of easy. It depends on the amount of dishes too. Right. And if you're going to leave the water running for 30 minutes while you're washing your family's dishes, is that really eco-friendly? So you really just have to kind of know what you have at home. uh, And if you can hand wash in a way that, that makes sense where you're not just you know, draining that resource as far as the water. Um, yeah, it, it can be a better option. 
Absolutely, I agree. All right, moving on to number six. So home cleaning products that are eco-friendly are expensive and hard to find. Isabel, you and I talked about this a little bit before on a previous episode as well on just what we what changes we can make within our home to be more sustainable. Uh, do you, what are your thoughts and opinions on this? Yeah, well, I must say that I do agree that sometimes the eco-friendly products that are made out of plants that you can find at the grocery store, they are more expensive than buying a regular multi-purpose spray that will get in the drain and it will right. cause some damage. But if you make your own cleaning products at home, it is very cheap. Right. And I do it. And then um, at least what I use and I would like to share is the magic of the white um, vinegar or yes. apple cider vinegar for nasty smells that you have in your carpets and your shoes some baking soda is always nice Mm -hmm. and then instead of using a degreaser spray on your like on the stove on the stove yes exactly lemon lemon juice or the entire lemon and then just going through it with it and it smells delicious right and it's also very natural for all the other i also use lemon it's citrus power of degreasing. Also, I think it, this kind of ties a little bit back into what Sarah was mentioning earlier too, just about repurposing things. For people that get newspapers, to have newspaper delivery, mm-hmm. I found newspaper is a great tool for cleaning glass. Works better than paper towels. Mm-hmm. So I use newspaper to clean you know, my dining table, my side tables, bathroom mirrors, that kind of stuff. And then it is recycled. I mean, I don't get newspaper delivery, but um, just in my mail, in my junk mail, a lot of, you know, things that I get are kind of that same texture and mm-hmm. consistency of newspapers. So that's another way to incorporate something that you can repurpose into your cleaning, your cleaning regimen, just what you're doing around the house. And like, I agree with Isabel, you know, vinegar is great. I use vinegar in the majority in cleaning glass, my floors, the same thing. And you said baking soda works great as carpet fresh. It vacuums up really easily, gets any odors if you have a pet. So I'm on board with you. Those are some things that I do as well that work really great. Yes. Also, I just want to say that at least I personally change my terrible habit of buying paper towels. Mm -hmm. And now just change it for these washable pieces of fabric. Mm -hmm. And it's just completely changed my life. Um, I got it into the little too much friendly sometimes um but yes it's an awesome way of not buying paper products and just cutting the habit of just seeing that it's there and using it and not really being thoughtful about where it came from and where it's gonna end absolutely i agree with you wholeheartedly to run you know one load of towels or or dish towels or whatever that you clean with versus all the paper that you throw away from drying your hands wiping the counters all of that Fabric is a much better option for sure. Um, So we're going to move into our next myth. And that would be that organic produce is too expensive. Do you mean too expensive compared to non-organic? Right, to just regular or produce that's that's not organic. Do you buy organic? I do. What do you buy organic? The majority of my produce is going to be organic or local because I do shop at the farmer's market as well. Okay. And then when it comes to my meat, I make sure that I don't buy any meat that has hormones or that have been genetically modified. So with that, there is a little bit more of a cost associated sometimes, but I think about it and it was an episode that we did actually with 
Bob Quinn, he, he wrote the book Grain by Grain and something that he outlined, and it makes a lot of sense that a lot of people get so caught up in the money that they spend on their food and then, oh my gosh, this is so much more expensive, but they don't think about the benefit down the road. Yeah, you may be spending a little bit more on your food, but because of the health benefits that come along with it and the things that you're doing to benefit your body, you're going to be spending so much less money in doctor's visits and you know, prescriptions and your co-pays and all of those things down the road. So when you sit and really put it on that scale and try to balance it, it's like, you know, okay, so paying, you know, 50 cents to a dollar more for something, you know, here and there, that's going to taste good, be good, fuel your body versus what could be upwards in the upward thousands in healthcare. It's like, is it really, you know, I mean, is it really that more expensive? So, but the myth is that organic is more expensive than non-organic food, right? And mm-hmm. and you just said that, which I think a lot of people, it depends a lot of our on, listeners. It really depends on the, the product too, though. I mean, there's times when, yes, some of it may have a little bit higher price tag. And then there's times also where it's cheaper. It just really depends well, on where you shop. Right, exactly. But I guess what I'm also wondering, because I see it all the time, you mentioned that if it's not organic, it might be local or mm-hmm. it might have one particular, you know, label claim. It's not claim, been genetically modified. Label or, claim. Right. And so are those products compared to those that don't have it, even when they're not organic, are they also you know, more expensive? Which I think the, the answer to that question is yes. Mm-hmm. When you go to the store, and again, <clears throat> I always encourage people, my parents and family all the time saying, you got to read the labels, you got to read the labels. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the labels either mean something in the case of organic, and in some right. cases, they do not. Correct. You know, there are certain labels that are there that you sort of almost assume that you don't even have to tell people that, you know, water is GMO-free, for instance, or, <laughs> right. or gluten-free, or things that sometimes you would see in certain things as, oh, I didn't realize that water I didn't have any gluten. I <laughs> the gluten-free stuff, and I'm like, but the ingredients, it's impossible they have gluten. Cool. I guess maybe they used... Um, the same factories, it might be some well, gluten crust. Maybe, but, <laughs> but yeah, like water. But I think this is like where that. this is where uh, at least having some idea of what is in food, in our food, especially yes. foods that are prepared and processed, is yes. it's important. And again, it's always you know about your options and about what you think makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling anyone you don't buy any processed you know food. Right. Some of it is really really good. It is. Um, but it is, I think, in my opinion, important for us to be informed. If, yes. if if it's something you think it's, well, why am I paying more for organic, for instance? Right. And I think I do have an answer for that. Keep in mind, as we were talking about the, the meaning of organic and the label, that the people who are using that label are paying for the certification of that product in yes. order to have that label on it. Right. So they're paying an additional cost that the person who's growing those strawberries, for example, does not pay for putting that name organic on it. So that's an additional cost. So for, when you buy your strawberries, you're not just paying for the strawberries, you're paying for peace of mind, well, that, knowing how sense. it was you but, know, grown. But perhaps the production cost of the farmer, organic farmer of those strawberries mm-hmm. is a little bit higher than the one who didn't get certified. Right. Keep in mind that labor might also be something that they have to rely on much more than, you know, the regular farmer because they're not allowed to use certain products and pesticides and certain things. And so that can add up to cost. So as we're looking at this, you say, well, maybe their production cost is higher. So it would make sense for them to pay a little bit more or ask a little bit more for their, you know, for their product. Right. So hopefully most of that, you know, 
dollar that you're paying for those strawberries are going to the farmer. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, into it just it really depends on where you're shopping, what you're shopping for, the product. I chicken it for example. I typically buy green wise and it's way cheaper as far as cost is concerned. And like I said, I know that there's no hormones. It hasn't been modified. I have that peace of mind. It saves me a little bit of money and it still tastes like chicken. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes, like you said, I think um, everyone, when they go to the store, I believe, are making sure that they're spending their dollars, you know, in a smart way. Right. So when you're looking at those prices and you're comparing prices, there's a lot of times, like you also mentioned, that organic and non-organic are just about the same. Or the difference is only a couple of, you know, cents. Cents, um, so typically. If it, if it, you think that, oh, I want to give this organic a try, then you might be willing to pay a little bit more for, for organic compared to, you know, the regular products. Like I said, really, we get into almost every episode, whether it's reducing your carbon footprint or, you know, having a more sustainable lifestyle or things that you can do, you know, as far as resolutions is it all comes down to it's our goal in this podcast and any of these episodes is to really educate you, our listener, that you have choices. You know, there's there are options out there and really taking the time to understand what decision you want to make based off what's best for you, your finances, your home, whatever the case may be, that there are options out there and you don't have to buy everything organic. You don't have to do everything in your home that, you know, is eco-friendly. You don't have to make all of these choices overnight, you know, to have a more sustainable lifestyle. It's just knowing that, okay, there are things that you can do that can benefit you. They can benefit the environment overall and, and having the information of, okay, you know, I didn't know this or where can I find more? You know, it's really our goal and our intention to help you guys have a better understanding of these things. And if you don't know where to find the information, where it's accessible. So this has been a great episode with me, you guys. I always enjoy having you guys on and, and getting to pick your brain a little bit on all of the information that you have. So thank you to my panel today for being on with us. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, if you'd like more information, you can log on to foginfo.org. Since Sarah Gaynor is our communication specialist, Sarah, I'll let you plug everybody into all of our social media sources. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, all of the social medias um, <laughs> under the, the Florida Organic Growers name. So check us out there. We are constantly updating everybody with um, the podcast information when episodes are released and some other supplemental information uh, that goes along with the topics that we cover here. Awesome. And if you just want to comment specifically on this podcast, and what we've talked about, you can go on Facebook and we do have a, a podcast page for a fresh take. Yes, we do. All right. So if you'd like more information, please log on, leave us any information, questions that you have. We'll be glad to reply and respond. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. As many of you already know, FOG is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. We would really appreciate your support. 